0: the magic of the series podcast this is sabrina monarch and this is a show about spiritual lifestyle and personal evolution this episode is part two of the episode immediately prior to it which was with scholar and archetypal astrologer becca tarnas and i highly recommend listening to the other episode first and we'll probably put this one into context we talked about the combinations of Venus with the other archetypes from the Moon, Mercury, out to Pluto. And as we are wrapping up this conversation in this episode, we are talking about the triple combination of Venus, Saturn, and Pluto. And this was honestly profound and beautiful. And I actually, I would have put the the clips you know, or the whole episode in one, but it was too big of a file, I guess. So I'm making a part two. So go ahead and check out the other one first, and then come back to this one. And you'll love it. All right, guys, here's the rest of the episode. So you mentioned earlier that you've been thinking about Venus, Saturn and Pluto. So we haven't done any triple combinations. Mm -hmm. But just what does it look like? I mean, I guess it's the same as two planets but when you add three it's just an extra layer of imagination yeah
1: you're bringing together um instead of kind of a two-way relationship between um two planetary archetypes when there's three it's actually like a six-way relationship <laughs> and the way they all activate each other um so you have venus saturn you have venus pluto and you have um saturn pluto and Um, the energy can kind of move in all of these different directions back and forth and how they're acting on each other. Um, So I've been especially aware of that this year, because we have a Saturn Pluto conjunction in the sky and Capricorn. And every time Venus has come into major aspect with Saturn Pluto, I'm paying pretty close attention to what it feels like what's going on and what are the tensions that arise in relationships, what needs to be worked on that's the Venus Saturn side, and what can be transformed that's the Venus Pluto side. Um, so it seems to be really correlating each, each time that comes around with doing some really deep work and Looking at one's shadow, looking at one's shadow in relationship, um, trying to evolve that in a mature way, Um, recognizing what the boundaries are, where they're healthy, where they're harming, um, and also looking at what are the components here that are destructive or connected to power dynamics between people and how can that also be Um, brought into consciousness and awareness. And so um, it has felt kind of like a concentration of that energy each time Venus has crossed the Saturn-Pluto of um, working with those things, especially within romantic relationship and friendship. It's like, okay, here comes that time again to to work on these things. Um, And I noticed too that Like on the collective scale, because we're living in such an intense Saturn-Pluto environment right now. And if you just track the headlines, it's kind of an everyday of like, where's the crisis? Where's the conflict? Where's the division? Um, All these Saturn-Pluto themes. And when Venus is there, um, I have noticed this element of... um, of the heart being more involved, um, a sense of caring more of feeling, a greater capacity for love in, uh, these situations. So when Venus was squaring Saturn, Pluto, not too long ago, I noticed a increase in the conversation around mass extinction and people's, um, sense of love and care for the species going extinct coming forward. Wow. And that really seemed to peak when Venus was there with the Saturn, Pluto, and then it, it moved on. Um, and there's still a, obviously an awareness in the collective and in conversations that um, there really is a, a mass extinction unfolding, that climate change is hitting a um, a peak where You can't deny it anymore, and um, but that during that uh, several day period where Venus was very tight with the Saturn Pluto, um, there was a different feeling of like care and love, and um, the the heart being connected to what's unfolding and, um, like the loss of beauty that goes when a species goes extinct, for example, and how, uh, deeply we, we feel that within our own hearts. Um, so that's one example that I've been seeing and I'll keep tracking as the year goes on. And next year, of course, with the Saturn, Pluto, even tighter, um, each time Venus comes around,
0: extinction extinction why can't i say that extinction extinction is such a saturn pluto thing i never um have made that connection before but saturn like the finality and so pluto has this kind of death rebirth but specific species going extinct it's like that's done and then the heart being involved we're like i think i've noticed that on facebook sometimes too where it's like i don't see posts about species going extinct all the time. Mm -hmm. Um, Another thing that I've just thought about is maybe Venus, Saturn, Pluto is the conversation around gender that has been evolving over the last several years on the internet. But I remember, um, I think it was back around 2015 when the kind of yes, all women, not all men kind of thing broke out on social media. And there was this moment in time where women were sharing with the world, like, we deal with this stuff every day. We are careful about being alone at night. Like, we're always vigilant about these things. And you haven't noticed or, like, half of the population doesn't know that we even go through this. And then when we talk about it, men are like, it's not all of us. And it's like, well, it's a lot of men or else we wouldn't be worried about this. And that eruption happened And the conversation has continued to evolve, but I saw a lot of men go through some kind of like death rebirth process with that, where first there was the defensiveness and then there was like a deep reckoning with Saturn, Pluto, like feeling into that. Um, and a lot of men have changed their behavior. They've become more sensitive and aware of these things that women were secretly going through, or you know, not necessarily secretly, but it was unseen. And so that has come out. And if Venus, well, Saturn, Pluto is a <clears throat> a transformation of cultural, like cultural structures and the cultural shadow. Um, and then Venus being involved in that is like how are our social structures enhancing or destroying connection between people and having to have those really difficult, you know, bringing stuff into the light. And so this conversation, you know, moving into me too, and just the ways that it has evolved over this amount of time. I wonder um, with the conjunction, you know, what will
1: come of all of this? Yeah, that's such a um, important correlation that you're bringing forward, and I think a lot of that was really being exposed, like the birth of the Me Too movement. In so many ways, is an expression of the Uranus Pluto, like the Uranus Pluto square that started in 2007. It's going to go through 2020, so we're in its its sunset right now, um, but it's still there and. The, that difference between the current Saturn Pluto and the Uranus Pluto is Uranus awakens us to something. It exposes it. And what it was exposing is the plutonic shadow, um, of sexual abuse in this case. And, um, that it's really kind of opened up and then, peaked in this transition where now Saturn has come in to the conjunction with Pluto, so we're getting an overlap. Not only are we getting Uranus square Pluto, but now we're getting Saturn joining Pluto and both are going on. That's part of what's unique about this current moment is Uranus is still square Pluto and Saturn is now conjunct Pluto as well. And, um, So the Uranus-Pluto brings the awakening to the shadow. The Saturn-Pluto, as you said, it it brings the reckoning. Um, And it brings in the the need for justice too. And there are many different forms of justice. Um, You know, there's punitive justice and there's restorative justice. And they both have um, a history connected to Saturn-Pluto alignments. And that is part, I think, of the, the deep shadow work that often happens under Saturn-Pluto alignments, wh- whether we're willing to do that work or not. Um, and so, in, in that way, it's a necessity and it's an opportunity that the Saturn-Pluto gives us. And I completely agree, it's going to be um, more than just interesting, it's going to be essential to see how collectively we move through this alignment on so many fronts. It feels like there's so much at stake right now in terms of, um, social relations and, um, gender relations and race relations and international relations and, and ecological relations. Like, um, so much feels like it's coming to a head and, You know, looking to next year when Jupiter joins Saturn and Pluto, that's just, it's going to amplify it. It may bring uh, that Jupiterian optimism and possibility of, um, you know, a positive outcome, but it also may really amplify the Saturn Pluto energies as well um, in their more negative capability. And my sense is we'll probably get both.
0: Yeah. When you, brought in the part about jupiter i felt this like full body chill but it um stayed in my heart Mm. it was really cool Mm. so i just got like a good feeling about that transit and of course they all come with kind of good and bad but one thing that i want to offer um for any of the listeners is that so when the conversation about how dire the world is like speaking of jumping from archetypes one of my patterns or ways of working with reality is this kind of a Venus Neptune thing, even though I don't have the aspect, but I have, actually, I do have the aspect, they're quintile, Mm -hmm. but, um, Venus and Pisces is that I go into an imaginal state and I visualize things like world peace. Um, and I like, I see it like a daily vitamin Mm -hmm. (laughs) to do these visualizations. But, um, since we share thoughts in the collective, um, and I, I mean that in like a literal way, like the thoughts that people are having are kind of floating in the air. I think that visualizing best case scenario, world peace, um, people can see this in their own life when they just visualize, you know, like maybe a like a golfer <laughs> came to mind. I think there is a story about a man who was in prison. So here Saturn, he mm-hmm. was a, in a war prison or something like that. And he every day was imagining getting out and like having this perfect golf game, like all these holes in ones and whatever. And he eventually got out and went to go play golf and had this perfect game that he had visualized as a survival mechanism during this time where he was in not sure if he was going to live or die. Um, I may be quoting that story wrong, but it just it came through. So, I think about the world situation and how um, I may have stuff constellated on an extremely Neptunian end. Um, But it's a place I also feel really comfortable and like to be. But when it comes to addressing the crisis that we're experiencing in the world, to remember to go up to the heavens and have these visualizations and from this place be energized to do the things that have to be done in our realities, like to take accountability in the ways that we have to. But when we're in connection with that, spiritual channel or our inner meditative kind of peace, um, I think that we may move about these challenges with more skill and compassion than if we were stuck in this like hellish anxiety loop, which is very possible to get into during this time with Saturn-Pluto. It can be like a never-ending hell or like Mm -hmm. Russian Doll, the Netflix series where she keeps dying every single day. (laughs) Like that's so Mm Saturn-Pluto, but it's not as – trapping as it may seem if you can imagine a way out of it Mm -hmm. and then back to address reality because you don't just want
1: to escape either when you talk about um russian doll and dying every day it also makes me think of um bill murray's groundhog day and he's born with venus saturn um and that in dying every day, he perfects himself. He eventually orients himself toward um, love and connection and care for the community. And um, it's a great example of Venus Saturn. But it's also how um, the the greatest beauty can come out of the um, out of pain and out of um, suffering, and that that can be. That can give birth to something more meaningful than if the, you know, we lived somehow in a completely ideal, painless world. That um, there is a, in some ways, a beauty to suffering. This is something that Carl Jung writes about in his Red Book. Is um, is the beauty of suffering itself, and um, that we can find meaning in that. I've been thinking too about the current Saturn, Pluto, and especially with Jupiter coming in, because Jupiter, um, especially Jupiter with Pluto can have this really ambitious quality to it. And that when I look at everything unfolding in the world situation, situations, I just think how much is humanity capable of? How much can we achieve when we put our minds and hearts and, um, our sense of community into something. And that's where I really do find a sense of hope and inspiration and courage is that we're an extraordinarily adaptable and creative species. And that, You know, any one of these archetypes that we've been talking about, they all hold keys or medicine to what the world needs right now. And of course, every person has their own unique configuration of those. Um, We all have our own kind of call to step up. And that's really where um, I see the great gift of Saturn Pluto is that it is a call to step into the the needs that are at hand um and you know i think about you know my um my dissertation research was on J.R. tolkien and the lord of the rings and i feel like that's such an apt um story for our time like a myth for our time because it's not a situation that anyone would want to be in, but what do you do when you're called to rise to the occasion? And there's this wonderful line that um, that Gandalf says to Frodo when Frodo says, you know, I wish it hadn't happened in my time. And how many of us feel that way? That I wish it hadn't happened like this in my lifetime. And Gandalf says... Um, you know, that that isn't for us to decide. And he says, all we have to decide is what to do with the time that is given us. And that's such a Saturnian call in many ways. All you have to do is decide what to do with the time that's given you. And that there is such an extraordinary abundance of things we can do with that time that can address where we are. Like every person, um, has something that they can contribute and what a beautiful exquisite to use that word again world can be born from that when every person answers that calling
0: that's a mic drop moment (laughs) (laughs) um again full body chills and just so incredibly beautiful exquisite and this um, we're almost at two hours, which I've never recorded for this long, and I'm super excited about that. And something that has occurred whenever I've gotten into conversation with you is that this timeless atmosphere opens up, where I don't feel particularly like I'm in one moment of time, but I feel like I'm in these other historical moments. Um, and I don't know, maybe it's your Venus Neptune, or I. But I think, too, that um, the way that you speak about archetypes is deeply evocative and transportive. Mm-hmm. And I'm so stoked to be sharing this conversation because I think that some of what came through, especially as we're talking about how to address um, this moment, can really mean a lot and be a very Venusian adding grace um, to Venus-Saturn or Saturn-Pluto.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Um Thank you so much for mm-hmm. sitting down with me to talk about Venus through the signs and all of these ideas.
1: Oh, thank you as well. I definitely feel that too, that kind of timeless space and going into it. And I feel like there are so many infinite places we could go in conversation and explore. So um, I'm really grateful to have gone on this uh adventure with you into all of these different archetypal ideas.
0: Thanks, Becca. And how can people who are listening find your work um, and work with you?
1: I have a website. It's just my name, beccatarnes.com. And I have all of my writings and lectures available there. And there's a link on there to my uh, information about my astrological practice. I work one on one with clients. I also teach one on one for people who are wanting to deepen their, um, wanting to deepen their relationship to astrology in that capacity. And um, I'll be putting out a course fairly soon too, based on my dissertation research that um, will be available in the coming months as well. So. All of it can be found in one place, which is helpful, um, on my website, beccatarnas.com.
0: Great. I will leave that in the show notes and also just say that when it comes to having your chart read, um, to have your chart read by an astrologer is such a gift um, and also the interpretive lens and the poetic lens that an astrologer could bring to your chart. So I'd really highly recommend getting a reading with Becca Mm. and I'm excited for your course also. Thank you. Having that conversation was so special. It honestly felt like a peak experience, like to just be grounded in this space with a microphone and talking about Venus for almost two hours and just feeling as though a universe opened up. And when you do talk about archetypes, they tend to be evoked. So, of course, I was feeling the Venusian energy. But it's interesting how the content of this episode followed me in the days following. Um, I have Venus-Pluto, and I also have Venus-Moon-Pluto. They're all in aspect to each other. Moon relates to the home, right? And this night when I got back from recording this podcast, my cat Esme, who is so adorable, but also a little bit of a humtress, brought me a mouse, And it was at night, and so I didn't want to let her in. So I was just like, well, you know what? Like, You know the rules. You're not bringing this mouse inside. So I closed the door, and I left her outside, and I went to sleep. And in the middle of the night, she woke me up clawing at the door. So I let her in, and there was nothing left of the mouse except for a few organs. So here was the Venus-Pluto moment and moon because it happened in my home um and then the next morning while esme was fast asleep on my bed and i was working or writing or something like that i noticed a crow came to my balcony and like looked around all like surreptitiously you know making sure that no one was watching or no one was there and then it took the organs of the mouse away in like two trips and i so strongly felt the presence of venus pluto and it wasn't just a normal like recognition of seeing the archetypes it was somehow otherworldly penetrating into the mundane and that really happens when you think about archetypes and you start to see them in your life it's like your life becomes an animated storybook or something like that and of course you know venus pluto that's a little bit of a gruesome example but it's venus pluto that we're talking about and again venus pluto moon so Anyways, is that a weird note to end this episode with? I hope not. Um, Thank you so much for listening. And please leave a rating and a review for this podcast on iTunes. If you take a screenshot of your review before you click submit and email it to me, I will take your email down and make sure to send you a free gift when the one that I'm working on is ready. Um, So if you feel called or the words come to you or the desire to express your feelings about this podcast comes, go ahead and do it. Just let me know that you did it so that I can send you something later. And I hope you have a wonderful rest of your day. Oh, and that's right. The email that you can contact me at is Sabrina at monarchastrology.com.